0: Farm Talk on CFRU 93.3 FM Welcome to another edition of Food Farm Talk where we celebrate food and honor those who champion the cause of food in society Hello, welcome to another exciting episode of Food Farm Talk on CFRU 93.3 FM. I'm your regular host, Abdurahim Abdullahi. I'm here with my co-host, Emily Duncan. And today is promising to be a very exciting show because we are going through the Canadian atmosphere sphere for the entire 2019, reviewing what has been the most uh, catching stories within uh, Canada and even globally. In terms of agriculture and food, uh, without talking much, Emily.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here this morning and to kind of reflect back on what 2019 has been like for food and agriculture. And we've talked a lot about these stories in the full episodes throughout the year, yeah. but we thought we'd do a little bit of a, a highlights reel for today yeah. in our last show of 2019.
0: Yeah, we are we are preparing for the holidays, and it, it, it makes sense that we've had a very busy year. So let's take time to reflect on how the year has been so we look at some of the interesting stories from january to december
1: yeah so without yeah i think we should just get started started. we (laughs) we, we picked kind of the what we thought were the 10 best things that happened this year that we'd kind of go through and talk about and the first one was the changes to canada's food guide happened earlier this year yeah
0: right in january i think we started a year with a lot of uh, waves around changing dietary uh, guides in the Canadian system. And the Canada Food Guide was updated uh, in January. And there were quite few changes uh, in the kind of prescriptions, what's called the prescriptions that were given for people to follow.
1: Yeah, it, w- it kind of really changed to being it was, you know, a food pyramid around different food groups, and now it's really about like portions on your plate. Um, and one of the biggest controversies was the remo- removal of dairy from the Canadian Food Guide.
0: Yeah, I think it caught a lot of traction in terms of removal of dairy and you know, back and forth between like industry and. food like other stakeholders who kind of have different views in terms of what a healthy food should be. But going beyond these controversies, I think it was generally a good dietary guidelines that were provided. And
1: yeah. Yeah, I think it was a step in the right direction. Um, we know that chronic health diseases, due to diet, are prevalent in Canada. And so what I really liked about the food guide was that it wasn't just about what's on your plate, but there are also recommendations about how how to eat, that you should also be staying hydrated, drinking lots of water, that you should be cooking and eating with other people, and that you know meals are an important part of our culture, and that it goes beyond just the nutritional requirements, but it's about how we eat together.
0: Yeah, but just uh, overview of it, I think it, they were more or less like forming areas in terms of you need to eat have plenty of vegetables and fruits like most half of your plates uh, We need to eat more protein like like quarter of your plates should be made up of proteins, uh, even though they kind of move a little bit away in terms of the type of proteins people can like, should have,
1: yeah. There is a real kind of mix of things, it's not just animal based proteins but also plant based proteins. proteins.
0: So, and the, t- the third one was uh, encouragement for people to eat choose a lot of whole grain foods as well, and uh, which is supposed to make like a quarter of a plate and to make water your drink instead of like other, yeah, drinks,
1: yeah. And I think kind of thinking about a plate and how it's divided up, you know, a half and then a quarter and a quarter okay. is easier for people to, to fulfill these recommendations rather than trying to guess how how much a serving is of something so i think it was a step in the right direction
0: yeah, yeah. so generally that's I think it was a step in the right direction, as uh, you've mentioned. And just moving beyond uh, the Canada Food Guide, it, it was followed right uh, after, not long after, there was this big global uh, report that was released by the Eat Lancet, right, that talked about dietary, like healthy planets. Yeah.
1: yeah. It w- and so this is a little bit different. The focus of the Eat Lancet report was less so much on you know, nutritional requirements, but how to eat a sustainable diet, diet yeah. a diet a healthy planet, and so they really kind of took into account the carbon footprint of the different things that people are eating. Um, and the recommendation there was to eat drastically less meat. I mean, essentially, the Eat Lancer report came out with saying that people should be following a relatively vegan diet. And this was quite controversial yeah, as this well. This
0: was quite controversial because, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, it kind of moved a little bit away from meat, and it placed a lot of emphasis on plant-based uh, diets. And there was some backlash in terms of industry, like protein, like meat-based protein industry as well. But generally, the Eats Lancet uh, report focused more on both like, human and planetary health. Right. So how how do we maintain the health of the planet? More as we mentioned, reducing the carbon f- carbon footprint, and as well as do it in such a way that it has implications, positive implications on human health as well so i think the focus of that was that uh again uh using eating more vegetables fruits whole grains legumes and nuts which was like a very key element in the eat Lancet reports
1: yeah and overall i felt like i i agree with the recommendations of the eat Lancet report that we you know in in western diets we do need to reduce our meat consumption because it is having a huge carbon footprint but where i think a bit of the backlash came from and is quite justified is that there are culturally relevant foods to people all over the world. And to say that there's one global diet that everyone should follow, it's I just don't think it fits quite well because food is such an important part of culture. And I don't think the Eat Lancer report did an adequate job of taking that into account.
0: Yeah. So, sure. I I totally agree with that. I think for sure, what was missing was there's a social aspect of those uh, prescriptions because generally there are cultures that depend so much on uh, meat-based diets and to have a global diet that doesn't take into consideration the variations in how people eat across the globe, it's a bit controversial. So, But I think it's, it's just one of the steps that uh, we take along the long transition towards uh, maintaining the health of the planet and its people. So we see what happens. Maybe in <laughs> 2020 something else comes up. Like, let's see.
1: We'll see what <laughs> happens with that. Um, the, I'd say one of the most exciting pieces of policy that came out this year was the within the 2019 federal budget, the creation of a national food
0: policy. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think if I'm, I'm going to like stay a little bit here I want to have a pick like this was one of issues that I I was really happy when it came out like the creation of the national food policy for Canada even though like it yeah it also came with its own controversies but I think it was a bold step yeah, and that was mentioned in the uh, budget of 2019 as well, right? So
1: Yeah, it was a bold step just to get it started. I mean, I think we would have liked to see a little bit more allocation of the budget towards it. It was $134 million, which is a lot of money, but uh, there's a lot of issues within our food system in Canada. And we've seen that national food policies have been successful in other countries around the world in alleviating um, some of the issues in the food system. So, But it has some really good things built
0: into it. Yeah. They were quite a like, good uh, one. Noticeable thing was the effort to form the National Food Policy Council, which I think is a laudable idea to bring stakeholders from different uh, aspects of like food and agriculture, considering the diversity of how food is. So that was a good one.
1: That was definitely a good step. Another great step um, with the National Food Policy was um, the creation of a national school food program. Um, so we know that school and foods are. <laughs> School and foods. Food in schools is really important to, um, you know, ensuring that our children are well fed when they're at school and understanding the importance of a healthy diet. So, we've seen this kind of start to roll out in some of the provinces of how how schools are going to be developing these school food programs. Yeah.
0: So, generally, I think it had like five main areas. So, there, there was this effort to create a new Canada brand, like um, Buy Canada promotion. So, it's just like creating a brand around Canadian agriculture and another uh, aspect was support for community-led projects so like greenhouse, uh, community freezers and skill training just like community-based initiatives that are helping to elevate food insecurity in like Canadian communities. And the third one was like a challenge fund to support uh, most innovative food waste reduction ideas and yeah as well.
1: Yeah I think that was a super important one because you we know that more than a third of our food is wasted so that they're tackling the issue of food waste is super important um, and that they're also trying to help the Canadian Food Inspection Agency crack down on food fraud and so we've seen headlines about all kinds of meat being mislabeled different kinds of fish being advertised wrong and so I think this is also an important step um, to make sure that we have a safe and trusted food system.
0: Yeah, I think uh, traceability will play an important role in this uh, regard as well.
1: Yeah and then the, the, the fifth one was like I already mentioned the National School Food Program so Lots of great stuff in this yeah, a lot piece of, of legislation. Stuff. A lot
0: of great stuff in it. And like we see, we look forward to seeing how things will like unfold in terms of how the implementation of this will uh, proceed going forward in 2020 and beyond.
1: And so our next kind of big controversy of the year um, was Canadian trade relations with China um, in terms <laughs> of food and agriculture. And it kind of... The whole controversy started with something unrelated to agriculture.
0: December 2018, yeah, that so was it when the uh, whole controversy uh, started with the arrest of uh, well, the s- arrest s- yeah. of
1: uh, Meng Wanzhou, um, who is the chief financial, off- financial officer of uh, Huawei Technologies um, at the request of the United States, and so Canada extradited her, and China didn't like that. The, and yeah, absolutely, yeah. what ensued was essentially, I, I don't know, I don't think it's too bold to call it a bit of a trade war of, like, using trade as a bit of a retaliation. I don't
0: think there's any better way to capture that (laughs) than to call it a trade war.
1: And so it it started off with canola, actually. And we know that Canada is one of the biggest producers of canola, especially in the prairies, and China said that it wasn't going to take our canola anymore. In
0: fact, uh, I think 40 percent of the Canadian uh, canola is exported to China. So, like with the fact that they blocked canola uh, imports, was actually like a big blow to Canadian farmers uh, as well. Even though there was an effort to kind of compensate farmers for some of the loss, but uh, I think it still had a big impact on the industry.
1: And I think it made some farmers rethink of whether they'd plant canola. Again or as much as their fields in canola, because the, this is this is clearly an area that's a bit volatile. Um, and then it wasn't just canola. It also then spread to our meat export center. Um, and so it wasn't just canola. It was also pork and beef and veal. And so the problem with that was trying to claim that there were forged certificates. Yeah. There wasn't quality in the meat, that something was wrong. And... Uh, yeah, it caused a huge, huge challenge with our trade.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So as mentioned, the meat one started in uh, April 2019 when, like, China uh, cited forged uh, certificates as the reason why, like, they were actually banning Canadian like meat products. Like, and I think it continued for a long time. I think the main sectors that were affected with this was uh, mainly uh, beef uh, and pork. Yeah, those were two main uh, sectors, and. It, they form a big part of the canadian markets
1: yeah. yeah yeah just in one month alone and beef, beef exports to china totaled more than 63 million dollars like it's a huge part of our economy to be able to export to that market yeah
0: that was like 6.1% of the canadian total like Exports like so, it's it's a huge part yeah. of the Canadian market, and I think it's really had like an impact. And as you mentioned, probably just like canola, it had an impact on farmers now trying to find alternative markets. But then, what farmers will do the subsequent year? Some of these decisions will actually have long term impacts on the direction of Canadian agriculture. Whether farmers will want to continue to be producing say canola, we knowing that they are. Tendencies that they might not find markets or something political can come in to disrupt the market. So these are interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think that as Canadians, we were really lucky to have strong leadership from our Minister of Agriculture who kind of dealt with these trade issues um, to get them resolved and has put in uh, existing aid programs for farmers that they can have interest-free portions of loans and um, put in some relief to farmers who have experienced losses due to this, this these trade negotiations. Yeah, so I
0: think they increased their interest-free uh, portion for canola canola farmers from about hundred thousand to five hundred thousand just to offset the impact of uh, the trade war, as we will call it. <laughs> yeah, and who
1: who knows what twenty twenty will hold for all kinds of trade negotiations? Yeah, so. Yeah.
0: Not to divert, but issues of China has been featured in a lot of trade issues, like uh, with the Arab Food Summit, there was a lot of talk about China's position and the trade war with the U.S. So it, there's, there's been a lot of cascading effects that are happening in the global scene in terms of food trade. Again.
1: And it was just last night that it was announced that uh, President Donald Trump has been impeached in the House. So we'll uh, see what happens there with our relationship with the, the U.S. in terms of trade as well. Oh, yeah.
0: So interesting times. Interesting coming.
1: interesting political times for sure.
0: But again, moving away from trade war, so we've, we, this this is more of an international outlook. But coming back into the Canadian system, we were, farmers were not just fighting... Uh, Let's call it enemies from outside. They were just, there, there were times that he had issues with people from inside. And one of, one of these instances was the carbon taxing. Right. The so.
1: carbon tax has been definitely an issue that's been in the headlines in 2019. And, you know, with our previous provincial government, we did have a carbon pricing scheme that was going to be in place. And then uh, Doug Ford was elected as the premier of Ontario and that was scrapped. And then the federal government came in and decided that everybody needs to have some kind of carbon scheme in in place, and so uh, the carbon tax came into Ontario.
0: Yeah, I think people uh, in Manitoba, Ontario, Saskatoon, and New Brunswick, like, started, like, were enrolled into the federal carbon tax scheme. And there were a lot of controversies in it, but you you can talk more about this in terms of, like, what does it apply to and what is excluded? The potential ways it actually might affect farmers.
1: Yeah, so just regular consumers are going to be paying more at the pump for gasoline. But what is excluded from the carbon tax scheme is on-farm costs. So farmers producing food, they were, they're were they not paying more for the fuel that's needed on-farm. But where they're starting to see actually more repercussions from the carbon tax is through Um, kind of the value supply chain, I'd say. So transport is becoming more expensive due to the carbon tax. And also what we've seen lately with this harvest is that using grain dryers dryers, is... Rising in price due to the carbon tax. And we've had such a wet year, um, a wet spring to get started. It's snowed. People are still trying to get corn off in Ontario, and it has to go to the dryer. So uh, farmers are feeling the effects of the carbon tax. And yeah, it's definitely a challenge because we know we need to reduce our emissions. We've seen the carbon tax be really effective in provinces like BC and but also the farmers farmers are feeling it from all sides okay. all the time so how how can we achieve both these goals without Hurting the, hurting the bottom line of, you know, yes, the farm- people who yeah. are producing our food.
0: Yeah. So I, I think these are discussions to carry forward into as the carbon tax uh, implementation continues. So with time, I'm sure we will be able to find trade-offs in terms of what to include and what to exclude and how to make sure that everyone benefits without actually hurting our farmers. Yeah, And moving forward, 2019 has been a good year for women in agriculture in yeah. the Canadian landscape.
1: This is something that I've, I'm definitely really excited yeah. about, and I look up to these leaders. Um, we saw that we had the first female federal minister of agriculture, Marie-Claude Bibeau, and her leadership through, as I mentioned, through this kind of trade negotiations with China has been amazing. Um, and then we saw another woman take a strong leadership position in Canada, um, with the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, um,
0: Mary, Mary Robinson. Mary yeah.
1: Robinson is now the director. So, um, women have always played an important role in agriculture, and I think it's important that we now we're making strides to see them in leadership roles. Leadership
0: roles, yes. Yeah. So, I, I think that's that's a very commendable step, and I think 2019 will be remembered for some of these. Uh, bull steps in terms of having the first uh, minister of agriculture, female minister of agriculture, like and the first female uh, president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. Like these are good, good things that happen in the year. And back home, yeah, yeah, our, we've had some our host city,
1: some big local news yeah. in Guelph this year. It's been a really big year. Um, Guelph won the Smart Cities Challenge.
0: Yeah, so May 2019, Gulf won one of the, I think four? Four, yeah. Yeah, yeah categories of the Smart City Challenge with the proposal of a circular food economy, which is was very impressive. And they won $10 million to be able to implement various projects in terms of making the food system out around the city. It's more circular, reducing waste and making sure that things circle back into the system.
1: Yeah, Infrastructure Canada put out this challenge to cities across Canada that how can you solve a social problem with a technical solution? And Guelph really worked hard to put together an amazing application that was all about the circular food economy. And it has three really important goals. And they call it 50 50 50 by
0: 2025. Yeah, so 50% increase in access to affordable, nutritious food, 50 new circular food businesses and collaboration opportunities, and 50%. Percent increase in economic revenues by reducing or transforming food waste. So, like this is, I would say, is an all-encompassing area, and I, I think it was really a really great proposal. And we are happy that it went through and Gulf was successful in obtaining this money. And we see what happens going forward.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see what new projects, what new businesses, um, roll out in the Guelph community in the upcoming year due to to this big win.
0: Yeah, so look out for golf in 2020 and beyond. And again, another issue, I another internal issue that have had an impact on the agriculture sector? I was in the last month or so.
1: It's been. This is one of. A, we're headed towards the end of 2019, yes. and this has been a, a fairly recent issue.
0: Yeah, the CNR we strike uh more or less like an uh organizational uh issue but it had very big impact on the Canadian agriculture sector C- can you tell a little bit on like what's CN real is it that role in agriculture yes right.
1: yeah so I, I think a lot of Canadians sometimes forget that the railway across Canada is super important. It's how we get our products to international markets, and they went on. The workers went on strike. They were represented by Teamsters Canada, and they they were essentially bargaining for you know safety, wage increases, you know, kind of the normal things that workers go on strike for, and it what it did is put a whole halt to grain shipments in Canada, and Canadian farmers, it was right at the time of harvest, and they're trying to get grain off, and they're trying to get it shipped to these markets, and the railways weren't functioning, and it caused a huge, huge backlash. Um, we saw headlines, we saw multiple headlines about it, and um, in in Quebec, uh, grain farmers were dumping corn on the steps of uh, Justin Trudeau's office, yeah. and farmers were mad about this. Um, but luckily, the you know the negotiations went through, and between CN Real and Teamsters Canada, and the the strike ended fairly quickly. Okay, yeah. But it it definitely had an impact on the agricultural sector.
0: Okay, that, that that's a very uh, good summary of what happened. Again, moving forward, I think uh, we we're going to look at a few issues that happened towards the end, but that have uh, an outlook into 2020 and it moves us into what 2020 might be one important issue has been a local issue here in ontario with uh security from trespass and animal safety act which uh, i think earlier this month as well so and this is uh, a new legislation that might has in spring 2020 but is the legislation is trying to protect animal uh, farmers from trespass and mostly from activists that try to go push the boundaries beyond
1: yeah and I think this is this is super important because in in visiting a dairy farm actually earlier this year um, I spoke with a farmer, and she was really concerned because earlier this year, an activist group had threatened to come on their farm and steal one of their cows. They had to have police presence on their farm um, for several days, and actually, when the activist group wound up stealing a cow from a neighboring farm, and you know, this puts animals at risk. This puts uh, you know, this isn't a job that farmers should have to do. They're busy taking care of our land, producing food. Um, they don't also need to be security guards as well. And so I think having having stronger legislation that helps farmers um, with trespassers and keeping our animals safe on farms is is really important. And I'm glad that this bill has been introduced and hopefully it gets passed next year.
0: Yeah, hopefully it gets passed and like hopefully we create the enabling environment to support uh, farmers to be able to do their work without having to like put in extra effort to like as we mentioned to serve as critical gas and I think one more issue uh, that happened right in 20, December 2019 and that has an impact I would say throughout 2020 will be the release of the 2020 Canada food price report. The forecast, a collaborative uh, project by University of Guelph and Dalhousie University, that's which, and this was the 10th anniversary of the food price reports. And there were some very interesting uh, forecasts that will have impacts on Canadian packets.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, unfortunately for next year, Canadians can expect to see a 2 to 4% overall rise in food expenditures. Yeah,
0: so, that, that is... Uh, Against last year, which we expected 1.5 to 3.5% in increase. So, generally, there's an increase again from 2% to 4% rise in food prices. And it varies across different aspects, from like bakery, where we we're expecting 0 to 2% rise, to dairy and eggs, where we we're expecting 1 to 3% rise in prices, to fruit and nuts, where we expect between 1% to 35 as well. Yeah.
1: And then the largest increase is going to happen in the, the meat sector. Um, you're going to be paying 4 to 6% more for meat. Um, and then we're going to see kind of the average rise for seafoods, vegetables, and restaurants in that in that 2 to 4% range. And this is super important because we know that one in eight households in Canada is food insecure. So even this small percentage rise is going to be a huge impact on these families. Yeah,
0: and th- th- there's been a lot of... Uh discussion about some of the causes of this food insecurity and we know income is a big factor in food insecurity in the canadian landscape and with food, food prices rising again it's a bit concerning but let's see if there are ways that we can cushion lower income families to be able to cope with these changes that will really be good rap.
1: Yeah. And so that's our those are kind of ten main highlights of the rap- yeah, of the year for twenty nineteen. Um, just to
0: wrap up I it's think, been a big year. Yeah, it's been a big year. Like it's been a very impressive year. But there might there are still a few things that we might be looking forward to in 2020. So, what is that one thing like in 2020 that you actually you are actually looking forward to?
1: I'm excited about um, the announcement of who will be on the Canadian Food Policy Advisory Council. I think, I'm once that that Policy Advisory Council comes into play, I think we'll see better governance around our food system in Canada.
0: Uh, for me, I think, it, you know, we are, we are always covering issues that are happening around GOLF. And we, we are fortunate that in 2020, uh, spring 2020, GOLF will be hosting the Federal Provincial Territorial Agriculture Minister's Conference. So it's coming to the Food Hub of Canada. So we are really excited for the, the conference and we are looking forward to what will happen. Yeah, Uh, yeah, during the conference and beyond. And generally, we are looking forward to emerging issues in the Canadian foodscape in 2020, even globally. Let's see what happens.
1: Yeah, and so coming back next year, Food Forum Talk will be coming back presenting you new research in the food landscape and new research that's coming out of the University of Guelph and as well... Uh, local Guelph food issues, and we just like to say maybe a big thank you to the station this year for hosting a food farm talk. Um, it's been great to be here at CFRU ninety three point three FM.
0: Yeah, we just to conclude. Yeah, we thank CFRU for giving us the opportunity to host this program, and we know it's been a tough year for the station, but we're able to pull through and things are getting better right now. And generally, we thank our listeners as well for the encouragement and the support throughout the year. And we promise to bring you more exciting discussions around food and agriculture in 2020.
1: Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for listening.